Ted Cruz gets caught in Mexico, and I have to walk back what I said because, you know, there is definitive proof now. So we'll talk just a bit about what's going on with that in other news. Congress introduces a bill to prevent twice-impeached presidents from being buried in Arlington. That's pretty general, right? I mean, there are so many people that could apply to. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on there. In other news, apparently... A grant is renewed for the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's not all quite as it seems, but we'll talk a bit about what's going on there. And Dolly Parton passes on the idea of having her statue put up in Tennessee. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar, with a bit of a sinus infection, so if I sound like an octave lower than I normally am, that's why. So we're going to fight through that there, because the news stops for nobody, and there is plenty of it to talk about here at this point. So we'll get right into it, and also make sure that if you're lurking today, get that last-minute message in, because we read the names of everybody who chatted throughout the week, I've got a list on my notebook of everybody who chatted throughout the week here, and I will read the chat throughout the day coming in over in our little handy chat app. Remember, if your chat is sufficiently stupid, make sure you get it in there because, uh, you know, we need to raise the intellectual level of this program, and trust me, that's what we need coming up out of the chat here. So before we get down into any of this, though, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. Pardon our dust, we are still under full construction, full top-down rebuild. So, looks like we're going to have a donation feature coming up in the new website as well. I was just informed of that last night, so we'll bypass Subscribestar, we'll bypass all the money that uh, everything's coming out with, and we'll bypass the fact that DLive thinks that some of us don't deserve to have any sort of money coming back in. I think I can get that fixed too. I didn't get a chance to uh, have that going on last night. I worked on uh, some stuff for Elaine last night. By the way, go over and check out Elaine's Facebook page, facebook.com slash libertarian redhead, and go check out her latest series, Rogue History. She just put out the newest episode last night, and it will be coming to her upcoming YouTube channel and her audio platform as well, so we'll have more updates for that on Monday, so go and check that out. But, over on Freedom Scoop, you can find great shows such as The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Freckles and Brit Show. Alright, let's look at finance here. Starting on the Dow, which dropped like a stone throughout the day, and then never came back up to where it was before. It fell off of its previous record here, now we're closing at 31,493.34. As far as Bitcoin goes, we are sitting at 52,702 US dollars. Keeps going up, folks. We look at this every morning. Yesterday it was at 51,000, now it's at 52,000, and we'll see where it goes. People are talking about 200,000 here at this point. So we'll see what happens with that, and we will continue to track that as well. Thank you to Spartan for having that in the beginning of the program. Reading now from IBD. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Dow Jones Futures stress test your portfolio. Apple, Neo, Flash, Sell Signals. Roku, Leads Earnings, Movers from Ed Carson. Dow Jones Futures rose modestly Friday morning along with S&P 500 Futures and NASDAQ Futures. Roku, Trade Desk, and Applied Materials headlined key earnings reports late on Thursday. The stock market rally again suffered sharp losses for growth stocks but came off lows with market looking shaky. Investors should stress test their portfolios. Roku earnings were a surprise while Trade Desk and Applied Materials also beat views. Trade Desk fell slightly while Roku rose and AMAT stock popped in the pre-market near record highs. A congressional hearing on the GameStop stock frenzy took place Thursday. Aside from the spectacle of watching aging politicians ask questions about social media-fueled short-squeeze mania, the GameStop hearing seemed like old news. GME stock fell 11% to 4069. That's now 92% below its January 28th peak of 383. Trading volume has plunged, especially dollar, uh, daily dollar volume, as Reddit traders look to the next meme stock. The rise of GME stock was amazing, while its fall was inevitable. Yeah, the Feds really got involved in that one too, so... While the stock market rally is resisting a significant retreat for now, investors may want to be more defensive. One reason is that many recent buying opportunities aren't working, including Apple, Neo, Datadog, and Palantir Technologies. Apple stock has fallen more than 7-8% from its 138.89 buy point, while also breaking below its 50-day and 10-week lines. Datadog stock also triggered sell signals despite Thursday's gain. Neo stock is down more than 7-8% from a base buy point or a later entry from breaking a downtrend. Palantir stock, which twice rallied significantly past the consolidation buy point, has plunged 34% over the past six sessions. Some recent breakouts have succeeded, including Microsoft, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Zoom, and Wells Fargo. But they're generally holding up rather than powering higher. Their risk-reward for new buys has been rather poor overall. Yeah, your big growths are uh, really, really holding out and holding themselves down. So I'd be watching the markets, especially if you've got a whole bunch of money set back in a 401k. Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Zoom, and Wells Fargo are on the IBD leaderboard. Probably not for long. Microsoft is an IBD long-term leader. NVIDIA and Google are on Swing Trader. Google, NVIDIA, Trade Desk, and AMAT are on the IBD 50. On the futures, Dow futures rose 0.3% versus fair value, reversing modest losses overnight. The S&P 500 futures climbed 0.4%, and NASDAQ 100 futures advanced 0.6%. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen late Thursday again made the case for the Biden stimulus plan. Bitcoin rose to a fresh record of 52899 Friday morning as the recent retreat in speculative stocks hasn't hit the cryptocurrency. Tesla CEO Elon Musk again talked up Bitcoin late on Thursday. And lastly, remember, overnight action in Dow Futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. All right, from CNBC, let's talk a bit about the close. Dow falls from record amid disappointing jobs data and weak Walmart forecast from Yoon Lee and Jesse Pound. U.S. stocks slid on Thursday as investors were discouraged by a worse-than-expected jobless claim reading, as well as a weak forecast from Walmart. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 119.68 points, or 0.4%, 
231-493-34. Slipping from a record high at its session low, the 30-stock benchmark was down more than 300 points. The S&P 500 dipped 0.4% to 39.13.97, falling for a third straight day. The Nasdaq Composite slipped 0.7%. Two thirteen eight sixty five thirty six as investors continue to rotate out of high flying tech. Walmart dropped six and a half percent after its fourth quarter, uh, quarter earnings fell short of Wall Street estimates. The big box retailer sees sales growth slowing this year as the pandemic momentum ebbs. It says earnings per share will decline but will range flat to slightly higher after excluding divestitures. Shares of Apple fell another 0.9%. The tech giant is down 4.2% so far this week as investors take some profits from the big tech stocks that have led to market back to a record. Tesla dipped 1.4%, bringing its week-to-date losses to 3.5%. Stocks are sliding across the board with multiple growth names getting hit the hardest thanks to unrelenting rise in yields. Adam Chrisafuli, founder of Vital Knowledge, said in a note, Earnings were underwhelming, too, with Walmart's EPS miss and big spending guidance unnerving investors. So everyone's looking at this and looking at it's nervous, and this is the other big one that's driving all this down. Meanwhile, the latest jobless claims number signaled a setback in the labor market recovery. First-time filings for unemployment insurance totaled 861,000 last week, the highest level in a month and above the Dow Jones estimate of 773,000 the Labor Department reported on Thursday, and that had to hurt. That right there had to hurt because we're sitting back here and all the mainstream media is coming back and looking and saying, oh my God, look at this. Our our unemployment numbers have gone down. Our first-time unemployment filings have gone down every week since Joe Biden took office. He really was our savior. And then there's this. Honestly, with the news media as what it is, what they did for the last four years who is in the White House is going to be a very, very dismal record keeper as to what the economy is going to do. It's not going to matter as much as you think it is. They try to make it that way because then they can say evil Republican and saintly Democrat, but it really doesn't. Now, yes, some of their policies are going to affect things, but really, honestly, we're sitting in a point where businesses can't open right now, either because of the commie coup or now because of the sudden cold that's gone through. <coughs> Excuse me. And I mean, there are things going on down in Texas that you never thought you'd see. There are businesses out there that never have to close because it's Texas and it never, ever gets cold. So they can stay open forever and ever. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing right now is being affected both by, you know, some policy, obviously, but for the most part, it is natural, but... We're going to watch this, we're going to see what happens, and we're going to see where this goes. We'll keep doing this every day throughout the Biden presidency and beyond. So we'll watch the rise and fall of the markets, I think, for the next two to four years. All right, let's get into the big news of the day, starting with Ted Cruz, which I've got to walk myself back because I said yesterday that we don't know if that was Ted Cruz. We don't know if that was a current photo. We don't know if he's in Cancun or if that's just an... Easy pick from an MSNBC reporter who is looking to find a way to say, Republicans are evil, man. But it does appear that he did go to Cancun. From the Associated Press. Obviously a mistake. Cruz returns from Cancun after uproar from Steve Peoples and Jake Blyberg. 
Senator Ted Cruz said his family vacation to Mexico was obviously a mistake as he returned stateside Thursday following an uproar over his disappearance during a deadly winter storm. The Republican senator said he began second-guessing the trip since the moment he first got on the plane on Wednesday. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done it, he told reporters. The AP and other media outlets reported that he had traveled out of the country with his family as hundreds of thousands of Texans were still grappling with the fallout from the winter storm that crippled the state's power grid. The trip drew criticism from leaders in both parties and was seen as potentially damaging to the future political ambitions. Yeah, he's probably fucked at this point. Because this is a campaign ad waiting to happen. In fact, he might turn the state over to Beto in six years. Or four years. What, what year uh, did Beto come in? Was that 18 or was that 20? Yeah, four years because it was 18 when uh, the Beto uproar was going on in Texas. Because then he back, went back and ran for president. Wow, it's been that long already. Cruz said in an earlier statement on Thursday that he accompanied his family to Cancun a day earlier after his daughters asked to go on a trip with friends given that school was canceled for the week. Wanted to be a good dad, I flew down with them last night, and I'm flying back this afternoon, Cruz wrote. My staff and I are in constant communication with state and local leaders to get to the bottom of what happened in Texas, he continued. We want our power back, our water on, and our home is warm. <clears throat> Cruz told reporters Thursday night that he returned to the U.S. because he realized he needed to be in Texas. Yeah, you should have realized that before you left. He said he had originally been scheduled to stay in Mexico through the weekend. I didn't want all the screaming and yelling about this trip to distract even one moment from the real issues that I think Texans care about, which is keeping our family safe, Cruz said. It was obviously a mistake, and in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, well, there's that hindsight. And yeah, that probably did screw the rest of your political ambitions, probably for the rest of your career. That was probably a career ender right there, when the state that you represent is in its most dire straits, and you're heading off to Mexico. That might be the end of it for Cruz. Now, he doesn't go back up for re-election. The campaign season doesn't start for another three years, so... We'll see what happens with that, but honestly, the internet is forever, and we are going to remember this for a while, and, you know, opportunists are going to be running up there with their hands out saying, oh, hey, hey, you remember what Ted Cruz did? Hey, vote for my candidate instead. So, we're seeing that go on right there. I've got another one here from ABC on the same topic. Ted Cruz back in Texas after flying or backlash. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ted. <coughs> One second. <clears throat> Stupid sinus infection. Ted Cruz back in Texas after facing backlash for flying to Cancun amid brutal weather. From Marlene Lenthag, Miriam King, and Benjamin Siegel. Ted Cruz returned to Texas Thursday evening, a day after flying to Mexico with his family, even as his state reels from a historic storm that has left hundreds of thousands of people without power and safe drinking water. <clears throat> Several airport employees and fellow passengers told ABC News the Republican lawmaker went out a back exit escorted by officers after arriving at Houston's George Bush Intercontinental Airport. Cruz faced backlash after initial reports emerged on social media. 
that he had jet-setted to Cancun, despite the widespread crisis in Texas. Speaking with reporters outside his home upon his return Thursday evening, Cruz said in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it. And a lot of this is the same stuff that uh, we saw in the last article here. So, honestly, yeah, this is... There are a lot of people rushing to defend Ted Cruz right now. And completely honestly, and we'll talk about what Dinesh D'Souza had to say about this, but... I call balls and strikes on every politician, and this was bad. This was probably one of the worst decisions you can make as a senator. Once your state is in the biggest crisis, and Beto, of course, was out there for a photo opportunity to make sure that... Oi, hey man, I'm calling all these families, okay man? I'm going to shred on my guitar for these people and ride a skateboard in the video call to make sure these people are safe. But, you know, either way, it's a good optics win for Beto O'Rourke. This was a bad thing. If you want to turn Texas blue, this is the way to do it. And yeah, there's really nothing that he could have done while he was in Texas, but it is the optics of it that the voters are going to care about and the Democratic Party is going to jump on. Now, yes, they always say, they make fun of people for saying Republicans pounce, but this really is a Democrats pounce moment. All right, let's see what some of the backlash from this, as I mentioned, from Dinesh D'Souza. <clears throat> what could Ted Cruz do if he were in Texas? I'm hard-pressed to say. If he's in Cancun, that means he's not using up valuable resources of energy, food, and water, that can now be used by someone else. This is probably the best thing he could do for the state right now. And honestly, no, that's probably not because he's got the resources to get out and nobody else in the state does. Well, a few people probably do. There are probably a few rich people that are sitting in Cancun right now, right along with Ted Cruz's family. But no, there really isn't anything Ted could have done, but still, if you're escaping while everyone else is sitting back and suffering, that's still a dick move. That's still an asshole move. So that's where he sits. Um, Matt Walsh says uh, something similar here. Right now, when it was revealed that the FBI is investigating Cuomo over the nursing home scandal, suddenly the media starts focusing intensely on the Cruz family's trip to Cancun. If you're a conservative, going along with this obvious bullshit distraction technique, you're useless. Well, it's a good thing I'm a Federalist, because that's still bullshit. And yes, I can see the obvious timing of this. Not saying that Cruz was the one that made the timing, but the fact that now the media's got something they can jump on here. Another dog that they can go after without having to look into what's going on with the Cuomo administration. So, there is that aspect to this too, but still, that's, that's the worst way to do something. When the people that you're supposed to be representing are without power dying, have no fresh water to drink. Yeah, there's, that is a bad thing. That is an absolutely bad thing. <clears throat> All right, we got to get on to some other news here. I got one here from Ilhan Omar, tweets out, Yes, politics and relationships shouldn't stop us from the pursuit of justice. China is carrying out enslavement, torture, rape, forced sterilization, and mass detention of Uyghurs. Now is the time for full accountability and justice. Because Alan Rappaport reports that uh, Biden says he raised China's human rights abuses with Xi Jinping. There will be repercussions for China. China, okay. Let's read here from the New York Post. 
Biden dismisses Uyghur genocides as part of, uh, part of China's different norms from Emily Jacobs. <clears throat> President Biden is dismissing the genocide against the Uyghur population in China, dubbing the mass internment a different norm, despite the State Department this month responding to atrocities in the camps and following the reports of systemic rape and torture. The commander-in-chief made the remarks after being asked during his CNN town hall Tuesday evening about his recent conversation with his Chinese counterpart, starting his response by relaying Xi's justification of the abuses. If you know anything about Chinese history, there's always been the time when China's been victimized by the outer world, is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, well, the vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China, and he uses his rationale for the things that he does based on that. China, a nation that has faced a wave of international scrutiny over the past few years, relating to its activity in dismantling democracy in Hong Kong, and its refusal to accept responsibility for negligence and lack of transparency at, <clears throat> at the onset of the coronavirus outbreak, has not let global tensions stop its mass internment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. Oh yes, and of course, they thanked the slave masters in Xinjiang as well, in the end of Mulan. Your Nikes, that's what they're coming from over there. But don't worry guys, it's, it's just a different culture. We don't have to worry about that. Slavery is, I mean, it's wrong for us to do it, and we will, we will go after everybody whoever could have possibly descended from a slave owner in this country. But hey, you know what? China, no, they're just different. Don't worry about them. Worry about getting your Nikes and your Crapple products and everything else that's being made over in China. There's some bad optics too right there. Ah, uh, let's read one here from ABC4 out of Utah. Presidents twice impeached can be, uh, can't rather be buried at Arlington or receive federal funding, House bill proposes. From Addie Bink. House Democrats have introduced a bill that would pro uh, prohibit rather, the use of federal funds for the commemoration of certain former presidents and for other purposes. Under House Bill 484, introduced by Democratic Representative Andre Carson of Indiana, in late January, federal funds would not be allowed to be used to create or display any symbol, monument, or statue commemorating any former president that has been twice impeached by the House of Representatives on or before the date of enactment of this act or has been convicted of a state or federal crime relating to actions taken in an official capacity as the President of the United States on federal public land, including any highway, park, subway, federal building, military installation, street, or other federal property. Gee, I wonder who they could be talking about. The proposed bill, named the No Glory for Hate Act, also prohibits the use of federal funds to name, designate, or redesignate federal buildings or land after or in commemoration of any former president that has been twice impeached by the House of Representatives. Federal financial assistance would also not be provided to a state uh, political subdivision thereof or entity looking to name any building, land, structure, installation, or other property in commemoration of any former president twice impeached by the House. But... You know, that's so general. That could apply to so many different people. There's so many presidents that have been twice impeached at this point, right? And you notice it's on or before this date. So if something comes down the pipes where we start doing the tit for tat, hey, no, that's not going to apply if we impeach Kamala Harris twice. 
It's weird how that works. So, there you go. Let's actually read the act for just a second here. This is H.R. 484, the No Glory for Hate Act, out of the 117th Congress. A bill to prohibit the use of federal funds for the commemoration of certain former presidents and for other purposes. This act may be cited as the No Glory for Hate Act. Notwithstanding Section 3102 of Title 40, U.S. Code, no federal funds may be used to create or display any symbol, monument, or statue commemorating any former president that has been twice impeached by the House of Representatives on or before the date of enactment of this act or has been convicted of a state or federal crime related to actions taken in an official capacity as president of the U.S. on federal public land. And then we've also got, as I said, restriction of federal funds for property bearing the name of certain former presidents, former presidents act restriction, prohibition of burial of certain former presidents. They really, really hate this guy. But, you know, no glory for hate, except for the hate that we put out here. There are co-sponsors on this. Let's see where this is going. This is co-sponsored by, it's sponsored by Linda Sanchez of California. Uh, Janice Szczykowski uh, of Illinois. Grace Napolitano of California. Danny Davis of Illinois. Andre Carson of Indiana. Veronica Escobar of Texas, Barbara Lee of California, <clears throat> excuse me, Earl Blumenauer out of Oregon, Johanna Hayes out of Connecticut, Ruben Gallego out of Arizona, Gerald Connolly out of Virginia, Alan Lowenthal out of California, Nikema Williams out of Georgia, and Judy Chu out of California. So those are the people who are sponsoring on this. This is going to committee. Also, this is in committee at House Oversight and Reform, Transportation Infrastructure, Natural Resources Committee, Armed Services Committee, and Veterans Affairs Committee. So that's everything you need to know about this one. We will definitely be talking about this on Monday, so keep an eye out for that. Let's keep going here. I've got a tweet from Miss Nancy Pelosi. Today, Congressional Dems are making good on POTUS Day 1 promise. <coughs> oh, excuse me. With the U.S. Citizenship Act to transform our immigration system and make our nation safer, stronger, and more prosperous. All right, and we'll go right into the statement here. Today is a hopeful and historic day as Congressional Democrats unveil President Biden's U.S. Citizenship Act, a transformative legislation to modernize and make our immigration system more fair, orderly, and humane, and our nation safer and stronger and more prosperous. Democrats are making good on President Biden's Day One promise with landmark legislation that honors our values, protects families, and strengthens our country. The U.S. Citizenship Act provides an earned path to citizenship for our nation's undocumented community, with qualifying DREAMers, TPS holders, and essential farm workers that feed America eligible for green cards immediately. The legislation also addresses the root causes of migration, reduces immigration court backlogs, reforms our asylum system, cracks down on smuggling and human trafficking criminal organizations, and restores common sense to managing our borders with smart, sensible technology and infrastructure investments. 
We must honor this truth that immigrants are the constant reinvigoration of America, making America more American as they bring their hopes, courage, and determination to succeed to our shores. And this isn't going anywhere, but <clears throat> one thing that I want to point out to this is the strategy that goes with this. Now, had they eliminated the filibuster, I don't think that this would exist. And that's something we need to watch, as it's the optics. It's the same thing with Ted Cruz going to fucking Mexico right now. It is the optics right now that we need to focus on. With the filibuster in place, this bill has no chance of passing the Senate. None whatsoever. You are not going to get 60 votes to run this through the Senate. However, this is important. They can go out and they can push this through. It can die in the Senate. And now the Biden administration, Senate Democrats, Senate hopefuls that are challenging Republicans this year, this coming uh, election cycle, all now have another campaign ad. It's the optics. And once again, these Democrats don't want to legalize these uh, these immigrants. Number one, that takes away another club they can use against Republicans in the DREAM Act. Because these kids can sit in limbo. Well, they're kid. They're my age. But these kids can sit in limbo forever in immigration limbo. And, you know, once the next election comes out, oh, well, you better vote for Democrats because otherwise they'll send you back over and they'll deport you once again. So they can set them in the DREAM Act potentially forever at this point. Plus, they can come out and say, oh, well, we wanted to make you guys citizens, but, uh, you know, tell all your friends to vote for Democrats because those evil Republicans, they blocked the bill. They just, they blocked it. It's, it's no more. They used their budget reconciliation already, so they can't go back and do that again. This wouldn't have anything to do with budget reconciliation anyway, and this doesn't pass the filibuster. It is all optics. Just like H.R. 44 we just looked at, this, what they're doing right now, has no chance of passing anywhere, but it's optics. They made a throwaway bill to make campaign ads off of. All right, let's keep going here from the Hill. Biden team unveils new ICE deportation guidelines from Rebecca Bietch. The Biden administration rolled out new instructions to Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers Thursday, temporarily restricting the causes agents can rely on for initiating deportation. The enforcement priorities, which will be in effect for up to 90 days while ICE develops long-term guidelines, shrinks the types of convictions that can allow for someone to be deported as a public safety threat. The guidelines additionally allow for deportation of those who are deemed a national security threat due to terrorism or espionage concerns or illegally cross the U.S. border after November 1st of last year. The policy will also create more oversight of ICE agents requiring pre-approval before seeking to deport anyone who doesn't meet the new criteria. By focusing our limited resources on cases that present threats to national security, border security, and public safety, our agency will more ably and effectively affect its law enforcement mission, ICE Acting Director Tay Johnson said in a release. Now, if it was me, and I was an illegal immigrant, and I suddenly was told that I had 90 days where Immigration and Custom Enforcement, for the most part, couldn't come back and deport me, I, personally, would go back and go call Mexico and say, hey, 
give me my documents. I'm going to become an illegal citizen. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to become a legal citizen of the U.S. I've got 90 days. I'm going to get my shit in order, and I'm going to go do this. I'm pretty sure that not a lot of the people that are on this list right now scheduled for deportation or convicted of a crime in the U.S. I don't think they're going to do that. But that's what I would do. And once again, if you are an illegal immigrant and you're watching this, take the time. Go get, go do it right. Because then you can be eligible for minimum wage. You can be eligible for benefits. And you're not eligible for deportation when the Biden administration comes up and says, Oh, my big business buddy said that you complained. I guess I'm deporting you now. So that's what I would do with that. But there you go. All right, let's keep going here. I got another tweet here. From, another one from Dinesh D'Souza. Did Nancy Pelosi refuse security for the Capitol on January 6th because she knew what was coming and wanted to put the blame on Trump? So let's have a listen to what Dinesh has to say. Is Nancy Pelosi keeping a deep, dark secret about her role in the events of January 6th? One of the strangest things about what happened that day was the simple sight of streams of people moseying into the Capitol with token for, in some cases, no resistance whatsoever. People are moving barriers. Uh, policemen, when, they, when they're around, are stepping aside. This is extremely strange. Under normal circumstances, if you or I go to the White House or the Capitol, we can't get in. There's all kinds of people to block us. There's all kinds of security. There are metal detectors. So the unobstructed ease of access of all these people, of a crowd of people, to get into the Capitol is a, is a mystery. Now... As we learn information about all this, we discover that Trump offered 10,000 National Guard troops uh, to protect the Capitol. This offer was declined. We also find out that Steve Sund, the U.S. Capitol Police Chief, called for National Guard backup two days before January 6th. His offer was declined. And declined by whom? Declined by the Sergeant of Arms working in cohorts in consultation with Nancy Pelosi's office. It's kind of an odd fact, but apparently the um, Capitol Police are under the control of the Congress, in other words, of the Speaker of the House, uh, not uh, under the control of the White House or of Trump. So Nancy Pelosi is involved in this. And so she, in a sense, says no to added security. Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., says no to added security. They're kind of emphatic on this point. Now, the Sergeant of Arms gives the only reason I've seen given at all for this um, strange uh, behavior. Uh, it's strange because let's remember, we know that there was a large crowd of people and, and kind of an angry crowd coming to D.C. Uh, Trump, during the impeachment proceedings, was faulted. You know, you should have foreseen that there was going to be trouble. Well, if Trump could have and should have foreseen it. Certainly the same information was available to Nancy Pelosi. She could have and should have foreseen it. So they knew there was a lot of people coming to town and yet they declined security. Supposedly this was, according to the Sergeant of Arms, due to, quote, the optics. They didn't want to make it look weird by having all these guards present. Now, And with that, I mean, we look at the optics now and we see the wall and the fencing around the Capitol building and around the National Mall and around the White House. So they don't care about the optics now, but I mean, there's, there's definitely something to look at for this. 
Now, I don't know if this is actually the case or not. I've never been able to find corroborating evidence that Nancy Pelosi did order a stand down of troops and guards to let these people go in and just let this happen because they could use it for optics. Would I be surprised? No. As much fun as we make of Pelosi for being an idiot, she is a shrewd politician that knows how to use the masses in order to get what she wants. So I can't corroborate it, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Let's keep going. Um, from CNN Politics, speaking of the Capitol Police, six Capitol Police officers suspended, 29 others being investigated for alleged roles in riot. From Whitney Wilde and Paul LeBlanc. Six U.S. Capitol Police officers have been suspended with pay, and 29 others have been placed under investigation for actions in the January 6th riot, a department spokesman said on Thursday. Acting Chief Yoganda Pittman has directed that any member of her department whose behavior is not in keeping with the department rules of conduct will face appropriate discipline, department spokesman John Stolnes said, uh, told CNN. CNN reported in January that the U.S. CP had placed at least 10 officers under investigation and two others had been suspended. One of the suspended officers took a selfie with someone who was part of that mob that overtook the Capitol, according to Representative Tim Ryan, a Democrat from Ohio. Another wore a Make America Great Again hat and started directing people around the building, Ryan said. Last month, Pittman said the department has been actively reviewing video and other open source materials of some USCP officers and officials that appear to be in violation of the department regulations and policies. The suspensions and investigations come at a time of internal turmoil at the department as officers continue to grapple with the insurrection that led to the death of Officer Brian Sicknick. I noticed that they didn't say murder this time. Members of the Capitol Police issued a vote of no confidence in the force's top leaders earlier this month. So, a couple things going on here. First off, it's been over a month at this point. I know there were some people that were already on investigation, but now they're coming back and investigating everything else that went along with this. So, now that we're in a situation where this can be covered back up, this whole Capitol riot thing still has me full on, full out, Alex Jones. Chemicals in the water, man. Turn your freaking frogs gay. So, a lot of stuff to talk about here. But we got to keep going. I got one from the Daily Caller, which I don't normally use because no green check verified. But this did lead me down into an NPR article talking about what happened here as well. It's not quite as it seems from the way the Daily Caller points it out, but it's definitely something worth looking at anyway. Wuhan lab eligible to receive U.S. taxpayer funding through 2024, NIH confirms. From Andrew Kerr, the Wuhan Institute of Virology is authorized to receive taxpayer funding for animal research until January of 2024, the National Institute of Health told the Daily Caller News Foundation. The WIV is at the center of widespread speculation that COVID-19 could have entered the human population in China due to an accidental lab leak. Researchers at the lab were studying bat-based coronaviruses prior to the outbreak, a project partially backed by $600,000 in U.S. taxpayer funds, wrote it to the lab through the nonprofit group EcoHealth Alliance. The president of EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Dezak, 
was the sole U.S. member of the WHO delegation that investigated the origins of the pandemic on the ground in China on January and February. While the WHO delegation has yet to release a report on the findings, Dazak said the White House should blindly accept their conclusion that it's highly unlikely the virus could have leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Dazak also said that American intelligence, which indicates researchers at the WIB, became infected with the COVID-like symptoms before the first known cases in December of 2019, shouldn't be trusted. So, um, there's other information going on here working with EcoHealth. But I used this article to, as a springboard to get to this NPR article here. Dazak told NPR that NIH's conditions were preposterous. So let's, uh, let's take a second here and read from NPR. A group whose NIH grant for virus research was revoked just got a new grant from Maria Godoy. And they're going to tell you what you really need to know. Folks, this is NPR which means they'll tell you exactly what the mainstream media wants you to know. And you will accept it as gospel and give them your donations because they are funded in part by viewers like you, just like I am. All right, let's see what this one has to say here. The National Institutes of Health has awarded a grant of $7.5 million over five years to EcoHealth Alliance, a U.S.-based nonprofit that hunts emerging viruses. The award comes months after NIH revoked an earlier grant to EcoHealth, a move scientists widely decried as the politically motivated quashing of research vital to preventing the next coronavirus pandemic. EcoHealth Alliance is one of the 11 institutions and research teams receiving grants from NIH announced this week to establish the Centers for Research in Emerging Infectious Diseases. The global network will monitor pathogens that emerge in wildlife and study how and where they go to affect humans. The center should also serve as an early warning system against future pandemics. Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, said in a statement on Thursday. Um, the termination stemmed from EcoHealth's work with Wuhan Institute of Virology, located in Chinese city where the current pandemic began. The years-long collaboration involved the collection of hundreds of coronavirus samples recovered from bats in China and research into how they were spilling over into the human population. So, that establishes the connection there. Now, is the NIH coming out and just giving $7.5 billion to Wuhan Institute of Virology? I don't think so. But does it look like there's a possibility they could be laundering it back through? This EcoHealth system? It's definitely possible. It's definitely something that's worth looking into. I would definitely be uh, confirming or denying that before I started giving these people money, but it's not quite what the Daily Caller put out either, so definitely something to look into off of this one. All right, let's keep going here. I got one from The Blaze. They want their babysitters back. California School Board busted mocking parents who want in-person class. From Breck Dumas. A California school board member is under fire after members made a series of comments mocking parents who are pressing for in-person classes, with one member claiming such parents just want their babysitters back, and another suggesting their parents want the kids out of the house so they can smoke weed. The conversation occurred during a meeting of members, thought was private, but actually open to the public, and the recording has gone viral. In the recording of the Oakley Union Elementary School Board meeting on Wednesday, <clears throat> Excuse me. The members spent time 
celebrating the prospect of modifying its system for allowing people to make public comments suggesting folks be made to call in their remarks, which would be cut off automatically at three minutes. At one point, Kim Bede expressed frustrations over a complaint against her that was posted on social media before she said, You know what? Are we alone? Then mocked whoever posted it, laughing, Bitch, if you're going to call me out, I'm going to fuck you up. Sorry, that's just me. Hmm. I wonder how long this is. Okay, I'll, I'll, I believe what I'm going to share will answer a lot of that. And then... Yeah. So nine is going to go before seven. No, nine is public comment on non-agendized items. Oh, okay. And, and, and so we, we have zero public comment on non-agendized items. Oh. All the public comment is related to agendized items. Oh, I see it. So we'll just say so 12. 6.0 will we'll add public oh, I'm sorry, no. on agendized items. And then you can just... Um, yeah. That the These will be read aloud of the meeting up to three minutes per individual. The board appreciates all public input. But we don't have to uh, restate that three o'clock and all that because it's already happened. Do, I, do you want me to just say I'm moving 9.0 to in place of 6.0? And just... And that's fine and it's just but it's going to be agendized items because the comments are for agendized items not non-agendized items and when we get to the non-agendized items do i need to say it again so do i need to read the public comment on non-agendized items again and say there's no comments on non-agendized items no you it's 9.0 we we have no public comment on non-agendized items so then go to 10.0 and okay. then I have, and I have been betting on... 6.0, I'm removing 6.0, administer the oath of office, and I'm making it 6.0, public comment on agenda. You're, you're done. And then it records them, and then I, they just hit play, 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 and so you, they actually get played during the thing, and it, they don't have to be read. Uh -oh. I think we should do that. So I'll, I'll, that's what I wanted to ask, and with some direction, I'll, uh, I'll get some yes. information on that and figure out... He said he would uh, have his tech guy. Well, they're not saying what uh, they said they would on this video here, but I'll listen into this more and we'll cut this up for the Rednet show. And apparently we lost connection briefly as well. I just uh, caught that as I was uh, listening here. So, um, well, you guys didn't miss much while we were in there. So we'll go from there. Member Lisa Brizendine then weighed in saying they forget there's real people on the other side of those letters that they're writing. They don't know what we know behind the scenes, Brizendine continued, adding, It's really unfortunate they want to pick us, uh, pick on us rather, because they want their babysitters back. A third member, Richie Masadas, agreed, saying his brother owned a delivery service for medical marijuana, and clientele were parents with their kids in school. Other members laughed as he mocked that, When you have your kids in school, no more puff puff give. Around the 725 mark, one member says, Uh-oh, we have the meeting open to the public right now, and another responds with dismay. Nuh-uh, while third echoes, great. <clears throat> so definitely we'll be, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely we'll be looking into this over on uh, on Monday's show, and I'll cut this up, and we'll actually get the good stuff out of this instead of, you know, going through and listening to their entire minutes, but we'll see what happens with that. And if you're uh, just joining back in, I apologize for uh, losing connection for just a moment here. Let's uh, Let's get this finished up here from Politico. GOP tries to weaponize pandemic exhausted parents against Biden. 
from Christopher Catalego and Natasha Korecki. Distraught and exhausted parents are emerging as a new class of voters that could torment President Joe Biden and the White House is moving quickly to head off the pain. Nearing a year into the pandemic, Biden's advisors and allies recognize that they need to respond to spiraling angst felt by families or risk driving them into the arms of waiting Republicans. It is a crucial test for Biden and Democrats as they try to consolidate their gains. From the 2020 election, the pandemic has disrupted lives and exacerbated inequities, and a raft of public and private surveys show clear political potholes and opportunities because of it. The coronavirus is spawning sweeping policy prescriptions from Democrats and Republicans alike. From billions in school reopenings funds to the creation of federal child allowance and prompting pollsters to loosely coin emerging voting demos like women in chaos and families in crisis. Within the GOP, there's a belief that the pandemic and resulting turmoil make Biden and Democratic incumbents especially vulnerable among those demographics. Republicans see room to capitalize on the grim public health and economic situation the White House inherited from Donald Trump by trying to put Democrats on the defensive for being too removed from the pain or too slow moving to address it. <clears throat> well, there, there's a lot to unpack with this. There really is. Now, yes, in, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren has written about this, the two-parent trap, the two-income trap, where we need to have both parents out and working to afford a regular run-of-the-mill house. That is definitely a thing. It's definitely something to watch for here. And yes, the school system, as it was structured, really did help out in building that trap because now both parents can go out to work. They can afford a nicer house and it drives the, the cost of even the run-of-the-mill standard houses back up. So they've set this all up where they need to have the working woman out in the workforce and the working man out there out in the workforce. And, you know, you got the kids gone for eight hours a day while the parents are working for eight hours a day. So there's a lot of stuff going on with this. However, the GOP should not be the ones right now that are trying to advocate to get kids back into school either because of how terrible the public school system is. We need reforms in the public school system or a lot more homeschool as well. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack with this. But for the most part, it is just playing politics at this point. From CNBC, Citadel's Ken Griffin defends controversial Wall Street practice, says firms would adapt if it was outlawed. From Maggie Fitzgerald. During Wednesday's GameStop hearing, Citadel Securities Ken Griffin defended a controversial method brokerages used to make money and said his firm would adapt if new regulations prohibited the practice. Lawmakers finally got the chance to press Robinhood, Citadel, and Reddit chiefs about the GameStop trading controversy. Members of Congress spent much of their time prodding about payment for order flow, a practice in which brokerage received payments from a market maker known as a dealer for directing the order to them. This model is how Robinhood and other brokers are able to have commission-free trading. Robinhood made more than $221 million from payments for order flow in the fourth quarter of 2020. Meanwhile, Citadel Securities is a market maker. We simply play by the rules of the road, said Griffin. Payment for order flow has been expressly approved by the SEC. It is a customary practice within the industry, he said, referring to the Securities Exchange Commission. If they choose to change the rules of the road, we need to drive on the left side versus the right side, and that's fine with us. 
I do believe that payment for order flow has been an important source of innovation in the industry. As the CEO of Robinhood has testified, they drove the industry towards zero dollar commissions. This has been a big win for American investors, Griffin added. Griffin was pressed by Representative Brad Sherman about the best execution practice for the market maker. Sherman prodded whether Robinhood clients receive worse execution because Robinhood uses the zero commissions revenue model supported by payments for order flow. Sherman said after speaking to industry experts, when brokers are being paid for the order flow, customers get worse execution. Griffin said the quality of execution varies by the channel or the order, and size of the order is only one factor. So the worst part of this is that people are going out and now they are going to go and investigate Robinhood, Citadel, and Reddit. Because they want to know what's going on and nothing, absolutely, but fuck nothing is going to happen. This is going to be the next thing that we see with, okay, let's bring the tech giants back up and ask them a bunch of questions and then we're not going to do anything once again. Definitely something to see here with that. And as we said in the beginning, um, the opening articles on the financial sector where IBD came out and said it was hilarious to watch these ancient politicians who know nothing about technology come out and ask these people, why did you let this happen? Why did you let our big business money's, uh, buddies lose money off of this? So, with that, prepare to see a lot more of this, especially if we get another short squeeze coming back out of this. From the New York Post, Biden skips Michigan trip over snow, calls early lid at the White House. Oh yeah, of course, he's got to get, go out and get his early bird dinner at 4.30, watch court TV for another hour, and then get in bed by 7. Come on, man! This is from Stephen Nelson. President Biden took a snow day Thursday as D.C. received a half an inch dusting, but Vice President Kamala Harris carried on with scheduled in-person events. Biden postponed a trip to Michigan, where he planned to tour a Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine manufacturing facility, and the White House declared an 8 a.m. lid for reporters, meaning there would be no in-person events. The president's trip to Portage, Michigan, was preemptively canceled Wednesday evening before any precipitation fell in Washington. The early White House lid meant 12.30 p.m. briefing with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was conducted by phone. Although the destination in Michigan was a frigid 16 degrees Fahrenheit on Thursday morning, it wasn't snowing there. Frigid. But prepare to see a lot more of this here. Like I said, dinner at 4, court TV at 5, maybe watch the uh, Wheel of Fortune and bed by 8. All right, let's keep going here. From the blaze, New York restaurant fires waitress who wanted to delay getting a COVID-19 vaccine. Restaurant recently said that all employees were required to get the vaccine. From Sarah Taylor. A New York restaurant reportedly fired a waitress who said she wanted to learn more about the possible effects of the COVID-19 vaccine might have on fertility. The same week, the restaurant insisted that all employees were required to be vaccinated in order to continue working at the eatery. The woman, 34-year-old Bonnie Jacobson, said that she was not necessarily opposed to getting vaccinated, but wanted to study the potential effect on fertility first. According to the New York Times, the Red Hook Tavern in Brooklyn on Monday terminated Jacobson's employment for resisting getting vaccinated. Come inland. <clears throat> Get away from there. 
During a shift a couple days before the restaurant's announcement, she had felt her phone vibrate with a message from the restaurant's management that she did not read until later in the evening, the Times reported. Getting vaccinated would be mandatory, it said. Jacobson said she replied to the message on Monday, saying she wanted to learn more about the vaccine's potential impact on fertility before getting the shot. Her response, according to the outlet, drew the following message. At this time, your employment will be terminated. We're sad to see you go. If you do change your mind, please do not hesitate to let us know. Do what we say, or you're gone. And I told my uh, supervisor, as soon as they started talking about the vaccine, that I'm not getting it. I'm just not. Especially when you see stuff like this, where you must be vaccinated or you cannot come to work. No. They're... There is something else that's going on with this vaccine. And like I said, it's not like she said that she wasn't going to take it. She just wanted to wait and study it for a while longer. Which, that should be a reasonable expectation. If you're going to put something in your body, you should at least know what it's going to be. But, here we sit. Now with people who are going to be unable to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. And nobody sees a problem with this. All right, from CNN, I got just a few more here, then we'll do the names of the people who uh, chatted through the live chat through the week. This is just a video, so we'll talk a bit more about this on Monday. Actually, let's see if this loads up and if this is quick. I guess Dolly Parton is offered a statue in Tennessee, and she turned it down. Dolly Parton may be the type to... But she is not ready to stand there and be a statue. The Tennessee legislature was to consider a bill to erect a Dolly statue at the state capitol, funded by donations. Young Dolly? Older Dolly? It didn't get that far because Dolly nixed the idea. I am honored and humbled, she tweeted. But given all that is going on in the world, I don't think putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time which made her fans put her on an even higher pedestal. Dolly Parton proving she deserves the statue she doesn't want. This makes me want to put a Dolly Parton statue in my front yard. For this act of humility, we must make the Dolly Parton statue five times as tall. She's already turned down the Presidential Medal of Freedom twice when the Trump administration offered it because her husband was ill and she didn't want to travel during COVID. And before that... How does Dolly Parton not have a Presidential Medal of Freedom? That's a mistake. I assumed that she had already got one. I assume I'm surprised too. she deserves one. I'll, I'll call Biden. But she's afraid to say yes to President Biden. Now I feel like if I take it, I'll be doing politics, so I don't, I'm not sure. She already has a bra. So, and I mean, that's that's actually pretty excellent there. And, you know, take, save the money, give it out for somebody else. And she's got a, got a lot of fan service with this, too. So I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to see this here. We will be talking a bit more about this on Monday because this uh, is really impressed Elaine. But, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, right there with President uh, Obama. Oh, oh, I, 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 I thought it was, I thought she already had one. Well, I'll talk to Biden. And absolutely right. Because she turned it down twice under Trump. 
and now she's going to take it from Biden, that is going to come out and play politics off of this, and she's not trying to do that. This is a class act woman who, you know, great music, you know, I'm not really big on all the plastic stuff that went along with her, but great music, great musician, and great philanthropist too, so good on her, absolutely good on her. All right, got a couple more here, then we'll do the live chat and head on out of here. From CBS, NASA reveals first two photos of Mars taken by the Preserver rover from Sophie, excuse me, Sophie Lewis. Just minutes after NASA's Perseverance rover struck, uh, stuck its, excuse me, landing on Mars, it sent back two historic images, our first ever views of the red, uh, red planet from the elusive Jezero crater. Percy, as the rover is nicknamed, got through the seven minutes of terror on Thursday, a series of make-or-break events to land. A successful landing was announced just before 4 p.m. Eastern Time from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. Touchdown confirmed. Perseverance is safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking signs of li uh, past life. Swati Mohan, a guidance navigation and control officer monitoring the telemetry at JPL, called out as the rover landed. Socially distanced flight engineers burst into cheers and applause as they breathed a collective sigh of relief. Just moments later, scientists received the rover's first two pictures showing the rocky view of the rover's new home. One of the rover's hazard avoidance cameras, which primarily help with driving, snapped the black and white shots. The camera is partially obscured by clear protective cover. Later images from the rover will be higher resolution. Percy itself can be seen in the first image, its large shadow announcing its arrival. So, we're doing more on the space program, and I mean, we thought it was dead for a long time, but it's going. More jobs are going to come out of this. Unfortunately, there'll be government jobs, but there'll be some more jobs coming out of this, and Elon Musk says he himself is going to be sending something to Mars coming at the near future. So, we'll see how much of this stays public, how much of this stays private. And if the private industry now can help exacerbate and make this entire process go faster. So we'll see what happens with that. Definitely going to be watching this one too. All right. And the last one that I have here popped in just before we went live over in the Discord. If you're not in the Discord or the Gilded, they're both linked in the description below. So head on over to both of those and come and hang out with us and help us shape the show. Uh, Midget B wanted us to talk about this one here. Help a Disney whistleblower, Sandra Kuba. Now, I have not independently verified any of the information in this, so um, just take this as you would. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusions before you throw money at this person. But uh, we'll read her story here, then we'll do the live chat for the week and head on out of here. Sandra Kuba, a former senior financial analyst at the Walt Disney Company, is a whistleblower who discovered anomalies in Disney software equipment that allowed Disney to receive approximately $3 billion in false revenue. She blew the whistle internally at the company, clear to the top, but to no avail. She contacted the SEC and was subsequently fired in September of 2017. The stress and strain of subsequent actions taken against Kuba after her termination resulted in the suicide of her husband of 30 years, Robert Kuba, who died on March 9th of 2020. Kuba is currently living with her son, who is autistic, and continuing the battle against the corporate giant. The funds will allow Kuba and her son to pay household expenses and legal fees. So, once again, I've not, uh, I've not independently verified this, but uh, this looks like this goes back a few years at this point. 
with everything else that we're seeing going along with Disney, with uh, The Mandalorian and everything else, and Gina Carano, it's it's not hard to know what they'll do to somebody who uh, who's damaged off of this. But before you throw any money at this, do an independent verification. I have not thrown any money at this. So I will make sure that this is going actually to somebody who's doing household expenses, not an opportunist, as I hope that my audience would be smart enough to do as well. So we will see what happens with this. But Midget wanted us to know about it, so it is known. And that's going to be it for the day. So the last thing that we do... On uh, a Friday is special thanks to everybody who chatted in the live chat. It's been, well, started off a busy week. It's been a little bit of a slow week towards the end here. But uh, we got to talk to you guys because you guys are doing the Lord's work and helping this show get up off the ground. So let's see who chatted. And lastly, on the Friday chat, if your comment is sufficiently stupid, it will raise the intellectual level of this program and therefore must be read on the air. On Monday, we had Ron Helton. Steven Ignoramus came in with the host. Nephilim Ninja was here. Uh, MWM Media came in on the first uh, shot over on DLive. Uh, Chilaga1984 was here. Tigar84X, Mad Cow Mark, our resident Australian. Mystical Hedgehog came in and threw around some progressive talking points, so we talked a bit about that. CEWall728 was here, and RH showed up towards the end. On Tuesday, we had Nephilim Ninja, uh, Maddie, Mad Woman Media, was here. Ron Helton was here. Chilaga1984 was here. Silentcaster showed up and hung out with us for a little while. Mad Cow Mark. Ellen Lewis June was here and didn't ask me if I slept this time. I do sleep from time to time. Uh, Quest Fanning rounded out our Tuesday. Wednesday was a bit of a slower day. We had Ron Helton. Mad Cow Mark was here. Chilaga1984 and our resident progressive. Flan Corp was here. On Thursday, we had Ron Helton. Saint showed up for a bit yesterday. Chilaga1984. Quest Fanning hung out with us. Mad Cow Mark was here. Maddie was here once again. So thanks for being here almost every day this week. Uh, Why Does That Happen 23? That was a new name over on the Twitch side. So thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, Yas Softball 1677 came back and asked us if we wanted Prime Subs and wanted to become famous over on Twitch. It was supposed to be bigfollows.com, but, you know, that link there that they had was just sketchy as hell. I tried it, and now my computer doesn't want to work. I'm just joking. I didn't try that. Um, Spartan 0000 Superior 1 rounded out Thursday. Today, we had a you know bit of a slower day here, but we do have to thank you guys all the same for coming in here because it's not about quantity. It's about quality, and you guys are all awesome here. We had today, Quest Fanning was here, Ron Helton was here, 8 degrees Fahrenheit this morning, this is one cold winter, 8 would be normal for up north, but here it is miserable. No, this time of the year, that's actually uh, quite balmy for us, that's t-shirt weather for us over here, he said, with a sinus infection, probably from walking around in a sweatshirt for the last four days. <clears throat> Excuse me, Chilaga 1984 is here. What the hell has happened to Tennessee? I don't know. Uh, must be the... Nah, Cruz acknowledged it. Okay. Oh, must be the Dolly Parton stuff. Yeah, I, I went in last night to try and see if I could get the Restream bot into Trovo so we could start streaming stuff and chats back into Trovo. It does not appear to have functionality yet. Um, I double-checked with Restream and they are still working on that. 
but they can pull the trouble chats back out so you guys can still see them. It's like Periscope, which is going away at some point here. Um, Chilaga says Ted Cruz's wife will likely made him take his daughter to Mexico. That's possible. I bet you Count Chacula won't run again. Yeah, it's it's a possibility. That might have killed his career. The idea that everyone should suffer is some commie BS. Yes, but if you're a representative, they consider you to be a, a leader. You shouldn't be a leader if you're a representative or a senator, but that's what your people consider you as, so you probably should be there for the optics. If these politicians had day jobs and Ted Cruz would have been traveling for work, everything is flipped upside down. If Ted is in charge of emergency services, this would be an issue, but he ain't. No, that's that's absolutely right. It's it's all an optics thing, but I mean, this is what they're going to do for campaign ads for the next uh, for the next four years. We've got some Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru in here today. Yes, the Democrats are using this uh, immigration issue as a political talking point. Yep, that's exactly what it is, too. Money for the folks who leaked the China virus, so typical perfect epitome of government action. Well, I've not independently verified that it's directly going for that, but it's definitely going in that direction. Yes, just like after 9-11, the government screwed up, so they put themselves in charge of the airport security, and the government needs to be abolished. Yes, that's true, too. But yet... If we abolish the government, people band together and form another government. Goofy Dolly with the Mickey Mouse hat. Yeah, Ron doesn't like Dolly. Does the jab have MRC5 in it? If so, it could cause a latrogenic reaction. I don't know. I've never looked into the vaccine. I've just been waiting to see what the side effects are for people who have it long term. Because... You know, I'm in a low-risk category myself, so I don't really need to go and get it. Uh, Ron Helton says, 10 masks must be better, and thin the herd. All right, and that's going to be it for the day here. So I've got no weekend stream uh, planned for right now, so I got some stuff that i got to work on here because I threw the water pump in my truck, so i got to earn a little bit extra money here. You guys know how it is. So that's going to be what my weekend is going to be. Uh, it's going to be uh, comprised up here, so we will see you back here on Monday for more Contemporary. We're going to catch up with everything that happens over the weekend and have a nice long conversation this week over all the week's uh, happenings over on the Red Net Show, with, especially with the Dolly Parton thing that's going on with this, with the Mars rover. I've got some surprise stupidity with Ted Cruz. It's going to be all this and more, so come back over and hang out with us for both programs here. Go over to the Gilded and the... Uh, discord and go check out elaine's rogue history it was a good program i uh, i've listened to it twice now because i listened back to it after i set it up so she could send it back to youtube at a later date and send it out to her audio platform as well so we're doing we're making moves over here at the freedom scoop media group definitely so come back out and hang out with us and all the other programs as well otherwise we'll see you here on monday for more contemporary until then i'm jay edgar and this is contemporary <laughs>